Hello, it is Monday, April 5th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. So I think I will get fully caught up with everything I've been behind, and that's a good thing. Uh, so let's start off with John Jones possibly facing Francis Ngannou. I'll get to the issue with that fight maybe falling apart, probably not falling apart, but maybe uh, later. But first I want to talk about what Anthony Johnson had to say about the possibility of the fight. And he told uh, uh, Helen Yee, I think Jones has too many weapons. His team is great. His IQ is up there. You know he may not, and everybody was hung up on just knockouts. You know knockouts by Francis, which I get. I get that. But there's still more to it than just a knockout. You can be a knockout artist and just get beat up. Like DC isn't a knockout artist and he beat me up. Um, you know, you don't have to knock everybody out to be great. And you know, John, I think, has all the tools to beat Francis. I won't say they will finish him, but I think he can beat Francis. But if Francis gets that one punch, it can be a long night. Well, a short night for John if he gets hit. But people say that John hasn't been tested or that his jaw hasn't been tested. John Jones has fought the who's who of mixed martial arts. People aren't realizing that. He's just made it look easy because of his skill. So I wish people would stop discrediting the man. Um, yeah, I think Johnson nails this pretty much. Uh, Skill-wise, John Jones is miles and miles ahead of Francis Ngannou. There's no comparison skill-wise. And striking-wise, there's no comparison either. If you watch Francis Ngannou's striking... It is not technically good. It's just not. If you watch the Rosencrantz, the 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 finish in that fight, those are just wild strikes. They are powerful, sure, but they are wild, and he's leaves himself wide open. He can afford to do that because of his power, but if he if Ngannou doesn't have you stunned with the first punch. And he comes in with those with those wide, wide hooks and just leaves his chin out there, which is what he did. Well, a skilled technical striker is just going to find that chin. Will it drop in Ganu? Maybe we don't know. Uh, but that's the that's the thing. That's the thing. And Ganu is, if I want, I'm going to be blunt. He is not a good mixed martial artist. He's improving. He's learning different skills. And let's be honest, he for the amount of time he's been in the game, he's probably at where he should be skill-wise. But it's his power that got him as far as, it, as he's gone. So let's not say that he's a great mixed martial artist. He's a powerful striker. If he was a light heavyweight, I I would compare him maybe to to Anthony Johnson or maybe even below Anthony Johnson because Johnson had more skills than just striking. He was powerful as all get out, but he did have other skills. Um, so you could probably compare the two actually. But uh, skill-wise, Jones is miles and miles ahead. The problem is for all the skills that John Jones has, for all the skills that Stevie Miocic has, all it takes is... Ngannou to land a single punch, and it's over. So I don't know if John Jones, a bulked up, 
slower John Jones can beat Francis Ngannou? I don't know. But I want to find out. I want to find out. And the problem is, we might not find out. Because Jones wants his worth. And the UFC, as we've known for years and years and years, since the company was bought by the Fertitta brothers, the UFC does not want to pay Jones his worth. I think if the Fertitta brothers were still evolved, you would be a lot closer to seeing this fight take place because I think Lorenzo Fertitta would be involved with these negotiations and I think Lorenzo would see the value in this fight and maybe he would say, I won't make as much money on this fight. But we know the Fertitas are no longer involved and the ownership group of the UFC and the people that are involved with the UFC, invested in the UFC, they want their money back. And so you don't get your money back if you pay someone close to their worth in the UFC. And so that's the hang up right now. Like I said, I think the Fertitta brothers, especially Lorenzo, if he was involved, this fight would be close to getting done. I think it would get done if Fertitta was in because I think he would see bigger picture and not just be focused on profits. Yes, he would be focused on profits and he would still make money. He just wouldn't make as much money for this one particular fight. So you sacrifice a little of the profits to put the fight on, to make the fans happy, to make John Jones happy, to make Francis Ngannou happy, to make everyone happy, and you're still going to make money. But the new ownership group is not interested in making anyone happy except the stakeholders. And so now you're getting an ugly negotiation. You're getting an ugly negotiation in public. And here's where we're at right now. Um, that, let me find it here. Sorry for this. We're at a point where the, uh, the UFC is not, the UFC is looking like moving, looking like they're moving on. And this is from Ariel Hawani's Twitter. UFC has kicked the tires on Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis on June 12th. Uh, the timing doesn't work for Ngannou. Bigger story here, in my opinion, is at least for now, they don't seem keen on waiting around for Jones. This is a joke because let's not forget that Francis Ngannou won the belt uh, a little over a week ago. And you're already tired of waiting around. You haven't waited. You haven't waited. No one's waited. There's no waiting around. There's been no waiting around. There's been John Jones saying for the past year, I want my worth. And the UFC kind of putting him on the back burner. But now that Ngannou has won... And John Jones says, I still want my worth. Now you're sick of waiting around for him. The, the reality is, you don't want to pay him. Derek Lewis is a cheaper option. And that's the option you want to go with. Let's not bullshit anybody here. Let's not pretend anyone's waiting around for John Jones. There's no waiting around for John Jones. A week is not waiting around. A week is saying, holy shit, this guy wants 10 million plus yeah we could pay him that and still make a shit ton of money but you know what if we paid him two million like we've been paying him we'll make even more money and so that's all it boils down to the only thing the UFC is waiting around for is John Jones to lower his demands to what they want what him to make Francis Ngannou uh, reportedly turned down the Derek Lewis fight 
And he should have. Because he knows too, the money fight is the John Jones fight. And Gano's not stupid. He knows what the fans want to see. And they don't want to see a rematch between Ngano and Lewis. Will it look different from the first time? Probably. Probably. But we saw the first fight. And it stank. Uh, Joe Rogan said it was maybe the worst heavyweight title fight ever, I think was the quote. Or something of that nature. And so the possibility is out there that you could have another stinker. Odds are against it. But you saw it the first time. And it stank on ice. So why risk that? Why risk that? And even if the Jones fight stinks, which I don't think it will, I think Jones has a lot to prove. And I think he wants to prove that he can go up there and be the best fighter in UFC history and prove it by doing it at in the light heavyweight and heavyweight divisions. But... Are we going to get to see it? I don't think we are. I don't think we are. And if we don't see it, I don't think you can blame Francis Ngannou. I don't think you can blame John Jones. I don't think you can blame the management of either fighter, which is the same management team, by the way. I think. Oh, no, no, no. Lewis and Lewis and Jones are under the same management team. I'm sorry. I don't think you can blame either fighter's manager. All I think you can blame is Dana White and more than Dana White, the UFC's ownership group who want to extract as much profit as possible. They don't care about the fights. They don't care about the fans. They care about the money. They didn't buy the UFC for the fights or the fans. They bought the UFC because of that 80-20 split. That's all it is. Anybody, you can you can lie to yourself, and the UFC can the ownership group can lie to us, and Dana White can lie to us and say that they were interested in the in the sport. They weren't. They were interested in the 80-20 split. It's probably the worst split in professional sports, and that's not going to get improved under this ownership group. They're going to extract as much as they can, and then they'll probably sell it. That's kind of the business these these people are in. Um, you run it down, you suck as much as you can out of it, and then when it's a shell of what it once was, you unload it. But you've already made your money by the time you unload it. So even if you unload it at less than you bought it, you're already you're already in the in the black. So yeah, if this fight falls apart or doesn't even get moving, it's it's the UFC to blame. Don't blame John Jones. Don't blame Francis Ngannou. Don't blame their management teams. Blame Dana White and the UFC ownership group. Because this fight should happen. Um, Let's go to... Drop in here for Derek Brunson. A lot of people involved in the fight game. People that have respect of the fans, of the media, of, of pretty much everyone will tell you that Conor McGregor lifted the wages of every fighter. And I will tell you, I don't see it. And I will tell you, I think that's a bullshit claim that makes people feel good about how much Conor McGregor's making. And one man who will tell you that it's bullshit is Derek Brunson. And he, he uh, tweeted this out the other day. 
While we're talking about fighter pay, what about the fighters who live, fight the fight? I'm not one of them, so it doesn't pertain to me, but I'm compassionate for those individuals. The 1% need to fight their own battles. We learn more. We learn more money for Connor doesn't equal better fighter pay. And why would it? You can pay one guy because he'll drive money in. And when someone asks for his amount of money, someone asks for the amount of money McGregor gets, all the UFC has to do is say, look at the, look at the pay-per-view numbers. You don't draw those numbers. We're not going to pay you what he gets. And the argument is done. It's done. The USC hasn't raised minimum pay since Conor McGregor's been making maximum pay. Fighters still come in at twelve grand a fight. I mean, there's the uh, outliers like, say, Greg Hardy, who shouldn't even be in the UFC. But for the most part, if you come into the UFC, you're coming in at twelve grand, maybe ten. So don't tell me that Conor McGregor's raising everyone's wages. He's not. He never did. He never will. It's a fiction that people tell themselves to make themselves feel better and and justify McGregor's wages. I don't care who says it. They can't point to any fact that says that McGregor raises the wages of every fighter. And Derek Brunson, a UFC fighter, will tell you that it's not true. I'm going to believe the fighter more than I'm going to believe the pundit. Or, the, or a media member who would choose to believe that this falsehood is a reality. So I just wanted to mention that. One of the big fights that came about recently, and kind of shockingly, was the fight between Nate Diaz and Leon Edwards. And a lot of people were shocked to see this fight get booked Mostly on the Nate Diaz side of the equation. Because Diaz hasn't fought for quite a while. And whenever we've heard his name, it's been associated with a Conor McGregor trilogy. And I'm sure Diaz has been offered other fights before. And has turned them down. But Leon Edwards' fight he accepted. Probably because, well I'm not going to say probably. I'm going to say most definitely because he saw it as a fight that he can win. Uh, Diaz is pretty strategic with with the fights he takes. He's not going to book himself against someone who's going to continually try and wrestle him, someone who's going to stay in his face in a in a in a clinch kind of fight, in a dirty boxing kind of fight. He wants someone who's going to throw his throw hands with him and strike with him because that's where he feels comfortable. Is he better on the ground? Is he a feared submission guy? Sure he is, but he doesn't take fights there. He takes he accepts fights there if they go there. But he's not going to be the guy that takes it there. So I think he sees Leon Edwards as a guy who will fight him standing up and just, you know, throwing hands. And good for him. But why I while I see this as a kind of weird fight for Diaz to accept, I like it for Leon Edwards because it kind of gives him some legitimacy where the UFC was reluctant to do so. If, if Nate Diaz is willing to fight you, and you're ranked in the top 10, top 5, then that says that in the eyes of the fans, you're a legitimate fighter. You're a guy we should take seriously. And I think that that Nate Diaz stamp of approval means a lot to fans, and I think it means something to Leon Edwards too, because the UFC was never has never been really sold on Leon Edwards. He's been 
a fighter who, you know, he's got an eight fight, well, had an eight fight winning streak, I think, nine fight unbeaten streak now, if I'm uh, correct, with the, with the uh, no contest in the Bilal Muhammad fight. But I don't think they've been jazzed to book him because he's it's not really good on the mic. He wins a lot of his fights by decision, and he's just not the kind of guy that Dana White wants to promote. But I think now, with that Nate Diaz sign of approval, that Leon Edwards has picked up uh, picked up some respect in the eyes of the more casual fight fans and even some of the more hardcore fight fans who, who might have been a little reluctant to give Edwards his due. So I think with Nate Diaz saying, you're a guy I'll fight, and Diaz only fights people he thinks deserve to fight him, so with him saying, you're a guy I'll fight, and and I'm glad to do it, and I'll be glad to do it over five rounds, I think that speaks volumes for Leon Edwards as a quote-unquote legitimate welterweight. So good on Diaz for, for taking this fight. Good on Edwards for accepting this fight. And I think the fans are going to be pretty jazzed to see it just because it's Diaz and he feels that he can beat this guy, and he feels that this guy is worthy of stepping in the cage with him. That might sound weird, but Diaz, like I've said in the past, is a he's a star fighter. He only fights who he wants, when he wants, and that's it. So saying that Edwards is worthy of that, quote-unquote worthy of that, gives the fight legitimacy. Now let's talk about the five-round aspect of this. It's a co-main event, and it's five rounds. Do I like that? No. I mean, do I like that as uh, a fight for, for Diaz and Edwards? Yeah. I think the winner then becomes a legit title uh, contender. I think if these guys go five full rounds, it'll be fun. It'll be exciting. It's not going to be two guys staring at each other. What I don't like is the idea that the UFC, and I think these, I would have to believe that these guys asked for a five-round fight. What I don't want to see is fighters being in the co-main event being more or less told, you're going to fight five rounds and we're not going to pay you and we're not going to pay you the uh, Venom fight fight compliance pay of a title contender or a title challenger. I think that has to go with this fight, with a five-round fight. I think with a five-round fight in a co-main event slot or a main event slot, I don't think this challenger, title challenger thing should be the sole influence on what these fighters get paid in, in compensation from the Venom deal. I think if you're going five rounds, you should at least get the same as a title challenger or maybe a little less, but still more than you would get under the number of fights schedule that it's already that the Venom deal is already based on. So if you're signing for five rounds, you should get a bump in your pay because you're doing almost double the work and you should get a bump in the uh, compliance pay as well, equal to or slightly less than what a title challenger should get. Or is that going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. Because, well, UFC doesn't disclose this shit anymore. They used to. In Vegas, the, there would be a disclosure. In California, there is still a disclosure. But Vegas changed the rule for some reason which I'm going to bet the UFC had some influence on. Uh, 
So I hope that behind the scenes, these guys are going to get compensated more than normal and they're going to get more Venom fight compliance pay than normal. And I hope I'm right and I hope they negotiated as such. If not, they got they got taken advantage of. But that's not a surprise either. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, last thing I have to say is the Venom deal. They're going to announce the... Uh, they're going to un, un, uh, reveal the fight kits tomorrow, which I think is a joke. Um, the UFC and Venom, and I'm going to blame the UFC more so on this, has been terrible with the rollout of this new deal. Uh, it was announced last year. We haven't seen any images of what the fight kits are going to look like. We don't know what the selection is going to look like. And that does not bode well, I don't think. I would not be surprised if we saw some regression here and we saw the kits resemble kind of the first iteration of the Reebok kits, which were awful. I don't. I hope I'm wrong because if that's the way this goes, the UFC and Venom really screwed up and I think you're going to hear a lot of pushback. I think you should already be hearing pushback because the uh, compensation, when you figure inflation into it is already less than what the Reebok deal was. So uh, this is not looking good. I think if any ever everything would have been positive with this, the fight kits would have already been revealed and we would have known what they look like. The fighters would have known what their selections are, what the fit was, all that jazz. But now you got a fight card happen on Sunday. I'm sorry, on Saturday and Tuesday, you find out what the kits are like. Bad business decision. Bad business decision, bad rollout, bad everything. And uh, I am really not excited by this partnership in any way, shape, or form. And I hope that it starts off on this low point and just ramps up. But the Reebok deal started on a low point and kind of stayed at that low simmer for the for the uh, for the duration. And it even that's even with Reebok trying to improve things. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't have much. Uh, I don't have much hope, and I think this is going to be. Well, let's just say, I think it's going to be a disaster. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but uh, I'm not liking what I'm seeing right now. And on that note, I'm going to call it a night. I will be back tomorrow, maybe, um, and uh, we'll have more to discuss. I'll probably be back to discuss the uh, fight kits at the very least. And on that note, everyone stay safe.